raining out there, don't you? You might as well just sit back and relax then. Did everybody enjoy their Christmas? Doesn't sound like too many people enjoyed their Christmas. Did everybody enjoy the Christmas? Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I've got to show you my Christmas gift. Uh, you can take this any way you want to. It's hard when... Anyway. This is what, how much people love me. That was my gift. Does it look good? Thank you, John. I probably deserve that. Huh? Oh, man. Good to see Kingston here today. It fills my heart. Uh, message day is called uh, Living Proof. Living Proof. And we're going to talk about the, uh, uh, the promise of rest quite a bit. And, um, in order to, to, to enjoy, to receive this living proof in which we should be living proof of the Word of God and the truth of God, the promises of God, the salvation that our Lord offers, we should as a church be living proof of that as we walk and talk and, and live our lives like that. You know, it's funny that sometimes uh, uh, people that aren't Christian, people that are even atheists, they seem to somehow know how to live as a Christian more than some Christians do. They seem to get it. that There are things that as you become a Christian becoming in the Lord that if you want to be this living proof and, and live in this living rest that there's things that you just don't do anymore and it seems like there's some people out there that that, that claim to be Christians but they just can't seem to get past that that well, what a non-Christian already knows well I'm not gonna listen to you what do you, what's the difference between you and me and they look back well I don't know I go to church well that's the only difference there's nothing there's no other difference and so we're not really living proof when we do that we're just a mixture of whatever and the non-Christian, the atheist, they know more about living for Christ than some Christians do. For some reason, we think, well, we got grace, or we got this, or I do this, and I do that, so I'm okay. It doesn't work that way. And it shouldn't work that way, because we are holy, and holy is set apart. Uh, and the reason, one of the, one of the reasons we should, one of the main reasons we should be living proof and live in that rest is because as a Christian, as a child of God, we should understand what hell means. Right? We should understand what that really means, what eternity in a place that speaks, God speaks of more in the Bible than heaven, we should grab a hold of that more because we know I'm not going there. But I also, because I know I'm not going there and I understand what hell is, I should be concerned, concerned for the people around me. 
But as, a, as Christians live so often today, we live with, well, I'm more concerned with what I want than what the people around me need. And so we say we're living proof, but we're not really. And the atheists and the people that, I've lost my mic, the atheists and the people that live out there in the world, they see right through us. They see right through us. And they'll make fun of you, maybe not to your face, but they'll make fun of you, and you probably deserve it. Some of us. But to be this living proof, we're called, we're called into a different world. Amen? We're called in the world of God. The creation of God. Well, not another, not a, another fluffy sermon, I'm sorry. Uh, I got beat up real good this morning, so I'm probably going to emphasize that over to you guys a little bit. Uh, I got here early as I always do, but and uh, and I thought I had this thing down pretty good, but uh, I really got. Uh, I, I doubt we finished this sermon today, but we're going to go as far as we can. And uh, there's two things I want you to understand. I want you to understand the word rest and the understand the word today, because in this in Hebrews it emphasizes rest and it emphasizes today and it's urgency. It's like a it's God is as urgent for us to to have this rest and He wants us to have it today. And if we continue as church to live one foot in the world and one foot with God, as so many people do and so many buildings do and church people in these buildings do, we will die out. And you will fade away and you will fall away because you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't live with conviction completely all the time in your heart with the pain of that and then still wanting to be out in the world. You will either come to the Lord and surrender and get into that rest and become the living proof of what Jesus Christ died for or you will not and you will walk away and the Lord help you. I got everybody's attention? <laughs> should have been me this morning back in my office with God. It wasn't fun. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you this morning with a humble heart, Father. I'm asking you, Lord, to, to lay upon us what you want us to hear. Lord, you knew who was going to be here this morning. You knew who wasn't going to be here this morning. So those of us that are here this morning, Lord, you have given us a word, a word, a hard word, but yet a word of urgency that we should live for you. Not for this world, but for you. Lord, let me have love and grace in my heart as I ask you desperately to give me the words that you want me to have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We become the living proof. Rest has, when, we, when we become the living proof, rest has entered our souls and confusion disappears. See, when I pick up the word of God and I start learning and start reading about the word of God, I, I clearly start to understand what the Word of God means. And as a child, when I grew up in church, I grew up in a in kind of a legalistic church, a, kind of a, uh, it was an independent Baptist church, it was kind of a lot of works things, you couldn't watch even a Disney movie, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. And I, and I understand that some of that stuff was not right, that it's not so much about works, it's about a relationship. And it's always been about a relationship. But in the, when I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I understand the sacrifice of the cross, then shouldn't I want my relationship to, my relationship with him to be as close as it should be according to the word of God. Yeah, I understand that. And so 
it, it frustrates me. It, it irritates me when I can't do it, when I continue to come up short. When my heart doesn't want to bleed out for a, for a child or, or for a loved one or, or a sick one, and I just say, oh, there are so many people sick in the world. I can't just love them all. Should be with the ones that I'm with, amen? Little Stephen Seal song, love the one you're with. Well, in Christ, I should love the ones that he puts around me. I should love them with passion. And I should be the living proof of his love. So when we come, when we become his living proof, rest has entered our souls. And that confusion disappears. The confusion of whether I should have another drink or get up in the morning and smoke a joint and call yourself a Christian. There's something wrong with that, okay? Trust me, there is something wrong with that. It's not right. I'm tired of Christians. I hear them get up in the morning and smoke a joint and go talk about Jesus in the afternoon. It ain't right. Get off the drugs. My goodness, get off of them. Don't call yourself a Christian. There are too many people when you're on drugs. Please don't do that. Am I yelling too much again? I'm sorry, I, I, I'm just passionate about this this morning. I know in the Bible it says don't get drunk. I understand that. But if you understand hell, if you understand hell and those ones around you are beating a path straight forward and God has put you in that pathway to derail them, Shouldn't you be concerned for them more than yourself? And I have, to, I have to ask myself that. I have to beat myself up with that. And God just boom, boom, boom. There's a promised rest. Amen? See, this is a promised rest. We're going to learn about it in Hebrews. And it's this rest that I can get past myself. I can get past these things that I want to grab a hold of and hang on to. I can get past these things and become in the rest of the, my Lord and I become the living proof he's asked me to be. And with it, it brings confidence. Amen? I have confidence in my salvation. I have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have confidence in the word of God. I have confidence in it. I don't have to guess about it. I have confidence in it. An opportunity becomes, it becomes wide open for us. Because you're the living proof that God is going to use and he's going to magnify your life in front of others if you're willing to obey him. Amen? I don't hear too many amens there. Confidence and opportunity becomes his living proof. To demonstrate his, his living proof, one must obtain the promised rest. You got to have the rest. We talked about it a few weeks ago, this side being over on the wilderness and this side crossing the Jordan. See, the rest is over here in the Jordan. It doesn't matter about the wars and the battles. The rest is over there. God has always had this rest. He's had a plan for us since the beginning of time. He's offered it through generation after generation. He continues to offer it. He offered it with Moses. He offered it with David. He offered it with Joshua. He continues to offer it. And he offered it through his son, Jesus Christ. In the past, in the Old Testament, they look forward. In the New Testament, we look back. But it's the same offer, and it's always through faith. Amen? Thank you. The living proof of God's rest is in your actions. 
It's in the words you use and a way of life. Do you believe me? Thank you, Alex. I got one, believe in me. I tell you what I told Brooke this morning. When I, I, this is my, my outline. When I write stuff down, when you see stuff written all over there, that means God is, that's just from this morning. God is just, man. We're talking about a spiritual rest. Not a death, but a spiritual rest to know, to know that I know my Jesus Christ. And I can be confident in his promises. God's word, one of the things I wrote this morning, that God's word exposes our shallow faith, doesn't it? His word, when you open that up, some of you got to close it real quick because it exposes the things going on in your life. See, as, as, as a pastor, as a preacher, it's my job. It's my calling to give you 100% truth. Amen? All the truth all the truth it's my job to my calling to give it out to you in a way that that encourages you but yet challenges you to the very core of your existence do you believe that everybody awake and sometimes it doesn't matter who the who the man or the woman is things get difficult in our lives visiting these hospitals with these children and other people, this, those are difficult times. And I can try to hide them and I can try to, to put them away, but they're difficult down deep in my soul. Even though I have the, the promised rest and I want to be the living proof, it's difficult. Life is difficult. Do you believe that? But yet he gives us a rest that even through the difficulties, we can have the confidence that I'm going to see that little boy in heaven no matter if he outlives me or if he doesn't. But I can see all of you that come to Christ. No matter what you do, I can see that you, I will know you in heaven. Amen? I have a confidence in that. When we become his living proof, rest has entered our souls and confusion disappeared. Go ahead, Ray. Promise rest. Spiritual rest. Promised rest is more than just a phrase. Preacher preached on promised rest this morning. That's what that preacher preached on promised rest. That's what he did. That's what he did. A few days later, I don't know what that preacher preached on. What did he preach on? I can't remember. I can't remember what he preached on. A promised rest. Amen. It's something that every Christian needs. That's what you need. The promised rest. More than a phrase. It needs to be part of your life. It becomes one's way of life with faith leading the way. See, if I can have this promised rest, I, my faith has got to lead me in that. I've got to have action in my faith or I become a Christian without any care or any hope. I need action with that. And the opportunity to enter God's rest remains open. You know that? Everyone here, some of you don't know Christ. Some of you think you know Christ and you don't. And some of you know him, but yet you're not being the living proof. It may just be one of you. I may be preaching this sermon for one person out there. But it may be for all of us. It's more than just a phrase. It becomes a one's life, one way of life. 
with faith leading the way, the opportunity to enter God's rest remains open. His promise remains. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the best thing about God's word. You know, until, I, until, this, until the rapture comes or the Lord Jesus comes, however it's going to happen, however it's going to happen, it remains. Until that white throne judgment, his promise remains. He gives you an opportunity. And he'll, he over and over again, he says, today, today, today. This message out of Hebrews will, it looks back at Psalms 95, verses 7 through 11, and it emphasizes those verses. It's not too late for you. Amen? Isn't it good? It's not too late for me to have more rest in my life. It's not too late. Man's rest leaves behind the eternal rest that comes only through belief in Jesus Christ. See, a man has rest in a lot of things, and you all know that. You can have rest in all kinds of things, but it leaves behind the eternal rest. Believing God's word produces obedience, which produces his rest. How do you want rest? Obedience. Everybody say obedience. Say it one more time, obedience. You want rest? Obedience is the, is the, is the pathway. It is his urgent call from God to us. Today, today. Go ahead, please. You starting. You got the Matthew verses for me? Let's everybody stand. Let's read these verses. Now listen to this. This is urgent now. Come to me. Everybody read it. Come to me. Later on today, if you want to go back to Psalms 95, verses 7 through 11, you'll, you'll catch up on some of this. For therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, the promise is there, it's there for us. Let us fear, least any of you seem to have come short of it. What? Do, what? What book are you in there? What, you in New King? What are you in? For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Stop for a minute here. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come up short of it. Let us fear. It means a fear. We're not talking about the, the awe of God here. We're talking about a fear of my family, a fear of of people that I come in contact with, a fear of hell. Because they're coming up, they're coming up short. They're not, they're not grabbing a hold. Or they're coming up where they have walked away from God or something's going up and they're not, they don't have that rest that they need to have. That they're playing a Christian but not being a Christian. The living proof is not there. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as we will, as well as to them. 
okay, I got to stop there for a minute because see that I told Brooke a while ago that two-letter word us got grabbed me this morning. So the gospel has been preached from the beginning to the end. God set it up from the very beginning. It was preached. You can see Jesus Christ all the way through this Bible from Genesis all the way through. They knew the Messiah was coming. We knew the Messiah came. That word us there, it was preached to all of us that we can fear what's going to take place at the end of your life. I, 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 I can fear those people that don't know Christ, that don't know Christ, that walk around thinking they know, that walk around don't caring where they know. And they're buying a ticket to hell. Hell! How many of you believe it's a real place? How many of you believe it's a real place? Then shouldn't we fear that the people we know are going to live and die heading there? Shouldn't we fear that? Shouldn't all of us fear that? Because the gospel has been preached from the beginning to end. They can go to any church, almost any church on any corner, and hear the word of God. They can pick up a Bible in a motel room. They can learn it anywhere, but yet they don't. Don't we fear that? That's all, as well as to them, it's been preached. It's been preached. Nobody wants to hear it much anymore because it's been preached. And the church is not living proof. It's dying proof. We can't get past ourselves long enough to be the living proof. And we fail to live in that rest. You say, oh, preacher, come on now. It's not that bad. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm going to the hospital. Let's say I'm going to a job site. And I've got my mind so occupied with where I'm, what I'm doing that I, 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 I'm not, I fail to recognize God working around me. I, I'm not even occupied with that. I'm, my mind, everything. Well, everybody gets occupied, preacher. I know, but see, I want to be close to God enough to know where he's working that I can go right there and join him and stop what I'm doing and go talk to somebody because I fear what hell is. And if I have that rest and if I am that living proof, shouldn't I be able to recognize God working wherever I'm at? Am I crazy or am I all right, guys? From the to as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for a minute. How many times you talk to people about Jesus Christ and it seems like the word did not profit them? I know, but you know, actually... That's God's job. Our job is to be the living proof and give it out. Amen? It seems like it didn't profit them because they won't come to God. But I, I'm not going to be around somebody for the rest of their life. I'm just going to be around them here and there. I'm not even going to be around Vicky the rest of her life. We're going to be together here and there that I'm off to work and I'm off there. I don't know. I'm not going to be there. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen in their lives. All I know is what God promises me. 
And he tells me to be the living proof. And if I can be the living proof, I can have rest. And if I can have the obedience and the faith, I can have rest. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's a bunch of want I want it, I want it, I want it. I don't understand people that come to Christ and come to God. And I studied this Bible for year after year after year after year, hour after hour and minute after minute and everything I get my hands on to understand the word of God. And people come to God and they don't even pick up a Bible. They don't even know where the Bible is. I don't understand that at all. You cannot be living in the rest of God. Because you should grab a hold of this. It should become your life. It tells us it should be the front of our eyes. It's our life. It's our living proof. Amen? It's our living proof. This time of year, you're around so many different people. And everybody's so festive and happy and all that. But if you look in deep into their eyes, you'll see, man, it's just the material things. They're not grabbing a hold of the spiritual rest that God wants to offer them. For we who have believed do not enter that rest as he said, for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. Amen? We believe it, I enter it. James 2.19 says the demons believe and they tremble. Okay, 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 okay. The demons believe and they tremble. See, their belief, their belief is different than the person of God. See, I believe it with everything I am, amen? I believe it deep down in my soul. I believe it enough to pick up the word of God and live it out as best I can. Do I make mistakes? Of course I do. I live in the flesh. But do I want to? No! I've ceased from wanting to do that. I don't deliberately do it. I don't deliberately get up in the morning and say, baby, let's smoke a joint and talk about God this afternoon, okay? Amen, amen. I know Christians that do that. I'm not preaching you something I don't know. That's not what my Lord and Savior died for, amen? You can get off the drug. You can get off the marijuana. You can get off that stuff if you want to. Come to God. Come to Christ. Surrender your life. That's what he asked for. Be obedient to him. He'll help you through it. You can't get past the pornography. You can't get past something else. Do you really want to or are you just playing around with it? You think you're hiding it? You're not hiding it from God. You don't hide it from God. You hypocrite. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And he's talking about the, the wilderness. In Moses' time, he swore in his wrath, they'll not enter my rest. I don't want God to say that about me. And he won't because I'm a child of God. I don't have to worry about that. They shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, I mean, God knew from the very beginning what's taking place. He knew it. He had it planned out. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom was first preached did not enter it because of disobedience. There it is. Why don't you enter God's rest? Why can't we be this living proof? It's disobedience to God's word. It's not disobedience to me. It's not disobedience to the church building. It's disobedience to just right here. It's disobedience to God's word. You can't get off the habits you're in. It's disobedience to God's word. 
You know what sin is? It's bad. Isn't it? You know what it, you know what it affects? Everybody! You know who it destroys? Everybody. Unless you have a Savior. Amen? You got a Savior? You can have a, a, this rest and this living proof. You can have that, but sin will still affect you. It affects my family. It affects your family. It affects every family. My goodness, without Jesus Christ, how in the world do I even, how can I even start to make it? I don't know how I did it for the years I did it. That was crazy stuff. That was crazy. That was crazy stuff. All of you that know Jesus Christ, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of you, I'm just preaching to the choir. I know that. I want to encourage you a little bit, though. Isn't it good you know you when you was crazy, and now you know you're not crazy? <laughs> Now, the world thinks you're crazy, but you know you're not crazy because you were crazy. You get that. See, but the world, man, they don't understand none of this. And that's where we should fear because your coworkers, your family, they don't understand this at all. Fear for their souls. Fear for them. Because hell is not a place that anyone needs to go. The spiritual rest. Our Bible is a tool of, it's a tool of love, isn't it? This, this, this Bible, we're going to read about two-edged sword a little bit. How much time I got? Am I right? This Bible is a tool of love, isn't it? Isn't it a tool of love? But the problem is it's a tool of judgment too. It's a tool of love I can fall in love with every word. And then every time, like this morning when God convicted me that I was getting numb to people, that I get numb to people and I don't want to be numb to people, and, then, and it becomes a, a tool of judgment. But man, is it a tool of love when the judgment comes to me and I understand, okay, I'm not where God wants me to be. I've got to change. I've got to learn how to love more. And that tool of judgment becomes back to the tool of love again. It's the greatest book ever written, man been around for thousands of years do you know that it's got a lot of authors written over 1500 years different people i don't know how many authors lots of them and they all tell the same story jesus christ it tells it in and out of their lives how god works through their lives over and over and over again and some of them, a lot of them become that living proof and he says grab a hold of my words paul Grab a hold of that love I have. And I know the judgment's coming because as you grab a hold of this word and it enters your heart, judgment has to come. You grab a hold of this and you'll become living proof. And when you live this way and you're obedient to this, that rest that I promise will be yours. You know, for us Christians that truly love God, that truly follow his word as close as we can, we need that rest. Amen? But I want you to be careful with the rest. Rest can turn into being numb. And that's where I get sometimes. I'm not going to complain then. I, I, I love what I do. But I tell you, it can be overwhelming. <laughs> it can get overwhelming. And sometimes I just let, try to let go in one ear and float around a little bit and out the other. It can get overwhelming. But God's love is overflowing. And again, he designates a certain day saying, David, 
today. Talking about King David. King David wrote Psalms 95. It's referring back to that. And David says, today, after such a long time as it, as it has been said, today. See the emphasis on today? You, you grab that? Are you, are you, are you in, 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 understanding anything I'm saying today? Say, give me something, folks. Today. If you'll grab a hold of the urgency for you that have the rest, we should have an urgency about us. Today, if you will hear his voice, what's hearing the voice of God? It's listening to the truth of God. Amen? You think I want to get up here and preach at you and yell at you? Are you, cra are you crazy? I'd rather get down here with you guys. I, I have no choice. It's what I'm called to do. I have to do it. Amen? I'm glad to do it. I'm excited to do it. But there's a lot of times I just like to be sitting there too. called to do that aren't we we're called to be living proof this is what he called me to do to be living proof he's called every single one of you to be living proof and if you're not in the rest of God you cannot be in the living proof of God do not harden your hearts what is do not harden you people right now that aren't paying attention to me pay attention there you go that's do not harden your heart got me I need to do that again I wish I had my air horn Brant where's my air horn man do not harden your heart. In other words, don't try to shut the preacher off. Don't try to, to shut the, 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 the ministry teacher off or, or whoever's teaching or whatever you're doing or the music you're trying to listen to or somebody talking to you about the word of God. Don't try to shut them off. Open up your heart and let it in. Do not harden your heart. For Joshua had given them rest. See, Joshua took them over crossed over the Jordan and he led them for many years and fought battle after battle but that wasn't the rest that was a, a, that wasn't the rest that we're talking about here it, for if Joshua had given them rest then he would not afterward have spoken of another day in other words God would have spoken of another day there remains therefore a rest for the people of God amen a spiritual rest for you some of you grow weary in your times and, and spiritual, especially families with, with sick ones. I know you grow weary. I grow weary for you. I don't even know how you do it. We grow weary, but there's a rest for us. Believe and obey. See, the Hebrews, the Jewish people, they were merely just going through the motions at the time. They're just going through the, the motions of knowing their God. And they were doing their rituals and doing all that. And whoever wrote the Hebrews, which probably was Paul, and he just getting on him, man. He lays it out. If you want the rest, it's not a magic wand. Amen? I don't have my wand in here today. It's not a magic wand. I got some jello up here. You know, the proof's in the pudding, right? Proof. Brent, you know that, don't you? You look like a guy who knows all about pudding, Brent. <laughs> Proof's in the pudding. Living proof. I got, you know, there's ingredients in these puddings. I, I, I know you got to add this, you got to add that, and add milk. Here's, here's a measuring cup. I got to put my glasses on here. Now, do you like chocolate pudding? 
Or do you like whatever the vanilla pudding? Who likes chocolate? Who likes vanilla? All right, chocolate it is, man. I'm going to make you some pudding right up here right now. Where's the directions? Oh, here it is. Three cups of cold milk. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't want to put three cups of cold milk. I don't have any milk. I don't care about the milk. I'm just going to put some water in that baby. I, would, I should have had a bowl. I should have been making it. But three cups. We're going to put a little, a little cup of water in here. Let me see what it says here. Put a little three cups of cold milk. We're not doing that. We're going to put some water in Beet. Ooh, I like that word. Beet pudding mix. That's what God does with me. Man, He beats me over the head with that word of God sometimes. Beat the pudding mix and milk with whisk. Wow, that sounds cool. For two minutes. I mean, you guys sit there and just beat that thing for two minutes. Well, I don't want to beat it for two minutes. I'm going to beat it for 30 seconds. I'm just going to put a little bit of water, beat it for 30 seconds. Let me see. And it will, in two minutes, pudding will be soft. Set in five minutes. Make six and a half cup servings. And that's pretty simple, isn't it? I just put a little bit of water in there, beat it for about 30 seconds, and poof, I got the pudding. And I can give it to my friend Brent down there. The problem is, it's not the right ingredients, right? See, so a lot of us, we want to have that rest with God. We want to have, we want to have that living proof, and we'll even claim it. I'm a Christian. Want to hit? God don't care. <laughs> Show me where that's in that Bible. It's called sorcery. It's called witchcraft. Look it up. Sorcery, witchcraft. You think you're playing with, what do you think you're playing with? You're playing with Satan. You're playing right there with Satan and claiming God. You think it's going to go okay for you? You think you're going to have a good life? You're just going to mock God over and over again? And you can do it with a lot of other things. What you think? We got a God that doesn't care about what, he, what you do? Oh, man. See, if you want a good pudding, you go by the instructions. You want a good life with the Lord Jesus Christ, you go by all 66 books. Amen? All 66 books. Not one or two, not one or two words, all of it. And you get the ingredients for it, and you get a good life. Amen? And if you pay attention to it, if you're obedient to it, you'll have the rest that God asks us to have. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Oh, wow, what does that mean? Hmm. That just knocked off them tongue-speaking people. Uh-oh, preacher, don't go there. That just knocked off everybody that thinks they got to work their way to heaven. Knocked off, the, knocked off a lot of people right there. See, I, I ceased from my work. I live in grace. Amen? I live under grace. For he who has entered his rest, the rest that God offers us, has himself also ceased from his works, which is God. He ceased on the seventh day as God did from his. Amen? I don't have to work my way to heaven. He did. He did. He did it. He did it. Now, does that, what does that mean? Does that mean I can just do whatever I is? Well, of course not. In Romans, Paul tells us we may have grace, but we can't take advantage of that grace. Because, see, when God takes over and that rest starts to come in, this starts to make sense. Mm, mm, mm. Amen? 
I no longer wanted to do the things I did. How many times you heard me say that? There's a change. And I've entered the rest. I no longer have to take a bunch of sweet little ladies across the street to get to heaven. I no longer have to go feed the poor, although that is exactly what we should be doing. Amen? Widows and orphans, I should be looking after them. I should be looking after them. As a church, we should be looking after them. Not because I'm working my way to heaven. You got them people that ride them bicycles and them other people that come up all fancy dressed your house, Jehovah Witness or Mormons. They don't even believe in heaven. They believe in something else. Jehovah's Witness believe that heaven's already full, 144,000 already full. I don't know what they're doing. They may be able to pull out the Bible, but they ain't reading it right. Amen? I don't have to work my way to heaven. But because there's an urgency to tell people about Christ, because I understand what hell is, I want to help people. You got that? And therefore, I will give up things in my life. And Paul emphasizes that throughout his writings. He will give up things in his life to help other people. Although he may know it's not sin, he'll still give things up to help other people because he wants to be the living proof as close as he can be. And then is that what we're supposed to be? Of course it is. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God, listen to this, for the word of God is living and powerful. Amen? It's love and judgment all at the same time. Love and judgment. It's powerful. Why do you think they want it destroyed? Why do you think they want it out of motel rooms? <laughs> Why do you think they try to shut Christianity down? Why do you think they try to close him out of everything? Why do you think this country is throwing God out of everything? Why? Because Satan hates God. And it's powerful. It changes people. It changes them to the living proof of who Jesus Christ is. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. It pierces that heart. Some of you get pierced this morning. I got pierced back in my office. You get pierced. You get pierced right in that heart. It pierces you. And then all the way down to the joints and marrow. That means every part of your life gets pierced by the word of God. Now you can live it or you don't have to live it. That's your choice. But I'm telling you today, God's in an urgent mood. <laughs> and he's telling you today. Amen? Some of you got some real big things you need to deal with. And you don't need a man to help you through that. You need God. Amen? You need Jesus Christ. You need to get on your knees and ask for forgiveness. You don't need to run around here and act like you're crazy or something. You need to get on your knees and ask for forgiveness. You need to do it today because it's an urgent thing. God is urgent with it. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Did, did you get to that part? Everybody just read that last part. And it is what? Everybody read that. Excuse me? Everybody read that? Wow. That is powerful stuff, isn't it? <laughs> this, God, his word can do that. 
And every one of you that have come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that. You know it without a shadow of a doubt. Verse 13, and there is no creature. What? And there is no creature. No creature. I don't care if it's the animal, the human. There's no creature hidden from his sight. None. No creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must what? Wow. Okay. I'm going to close up here in a minute. I've got to stay on that verse for a few minutes. And there is no creature hidden. Some of you try to hide stuff in your, under your bed or whatever. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked. In other words, everything about you is open to God. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your kids. You can hide it from your boss. You can hide it from whoever you think you can hide it from. But you're never going to hide it from God. Amen? So the next time you start to hide something, start to ooh, shut off the computer too fast or something like that, remember, God saw every second of it. Amen? Every bit of it. He saw it. I would fear God more than I would Vicky. all right? And Vicki, she can get pretty nasty. But I'm going to fear God more than Vicky. Because he's going to take that word of God, it's going to penetrate my mind and my heart, and I'm going to be convicted of whatever it is I'm doing. And that rest is not upon me. Because I got conviction in my heart and I want that rest. Sharper than any two-edged sword. There's no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Every person that ever lived will give an account. Amen? Every single one. Hitler, give an account. Every single one will give an account. Now, as a saved person, the child of God, I'm not condemned because of my sins, because of that, of that beautiful grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, his cross. I'll give an account on what I did with the gifts that he gave me, the callings that he gave me, the things that he put in front of me. I'll give an account for that, but I'm not accounted for sin. I will not be at the white throne judgment. I don't want to go there because I know where those people are heading. They're heading to hell. One at a time, go in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. I never knew you, and off they go, tied up, naked, in the chains, off to hell for eternity. That should scare every Christian to death, and we should fear for those that we know that are going to be at the white throne judgment. So why don't we fear for them more? We've got a brand new year coming. I'm going to start a series, probably not next week, but the week after that, on spiritual gifts. And I hope through the, through, the series on spirit, through the series on spiritual gifts that we understand what our gifts are. And we start to exercise those gifts that we get completely trained in those gifts. And some of you, we need to form little groups that have this gift and we need to become ministry teams. And we need to filter, just, I don't know what the right word is, Rodney, just to go out and filtrate the whole community with the gifts that God's given us in whatever ways he's given us, allowing us to do, and we should do that because we know what hell is, and if we don't fear for those ones that are going to hell, then we're a bunch of lousy hypocrites. Are you with me or not? Alex, man, I love you. I'm going to give him a bullhorn. See, it says there that nothing is hidden from him, and I'm going to give an account. I want to go up there, and he's going to say, I want, I want him to say, Paul, welcome, good and faithful servant. Amen? 
I don't want to go up there and say, you missed this, you missed that, you missed where I was working here, you missed it over here, and you missed it over there. I know, I know, I know. But God, I just didn't fear enough of hell to go tell him. I wasn't living proof. Do you understand what living proof is now? Being strong enough to tell the ones that you love and the ones you don't even know through not maybe direct words, but a loving relationship with them that God has a plan for their lives and you want them to know the plan. You can't go up to people and say you're going to hell, although I used to do that and I used to get in temper. You know what that did? didn't do me no good at all. <laughs> you learn by the things you do. You go up to people and you love people. You encourage them. You know what? And they pretty soon they say, well, that person's different. What is different about that person? They go to church. Well, that can't be it. That's what they'll say. But then as they watch you, they start to realize you're living proof. And the only difference is you go to church and worship Jesus Christ, and I don't. Man, that's powerful stuff. Amen? You think you can't change a life? You can't unless you do it with God. And then you can. You can, be his, you can be his mouth. You can be his inspiration. You can be his love. You can be his joy. You can do it with confidence. You can do it with a rest, knowing that you're doing exactly what God's called you to do. Amen? Let's stand. There's a living rest A spiritual rest a lot of you have it a lot of you don't a lot of you have no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> this is called an altar that's what it's called this is a building it's not a temple your bodies are the temple of Christ this is where we come to come together as a family a family of God with unique gifts given from our Lord and Savior to become a church. This is what God gives us to get close to Him. Some of you never come to this altar. And you know you should. You know how I know? Because I've been right where you guys are at. I remember, I remember, I remember. I remember. I remember. I know. I gotta come to this altar. A lot of times you guys aren't here, but I gotta come to it. I gotta get down here. And I gotta worship God and I gotta ask for forgiveness. And I've got to get in communion with God closer than I've ever been. If we want, if we love a community, if we've come to change a community, to help change a community, then we've all got to be living proof of our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. You gotta do it. You are year 2016's coming up. What happened from 2014 at this time last year to 2000 at the end of this year? What has changed in your life? Are you growing closer to Christ? Have you come to Christ? Amen. Some of the older Christians, are you getting closer to God? Are you getting are you? Has that rest that you've been in got too restful? Are you just sleeping too much? Some of us need to be awakened. And remember what God's called us to to be alert to what he's doing and where he is and to work with him. You want to change this nation? It starts with one person and you're that person. Amen?
You want a revival in this nation, in this world? It starts with you because if it's not with you, it's not with you. You can't help anybody if your heart's not right. You know, I, I hear, let's change this. Let's change. You've got to go to God. You've got to go to Jesus Christ. Chuck Norris, he's a wonderful man. Everybody know Chuck Norris? Don't get in a fight with Chuck Norris. The man's been a Christian most of his life. You go listen to some of his readings and some of the stuff he says. He can tell you exactly the same things I'm saying. Get close to God. This nation will turn. The reason this nation is the way it is because the church has fell off. It's out of the living proof. Not all of us. There's a remnant. I'm telling you, if you love people and you fear for what's going on in this nation, in this world, you've got to come to your knees. There's churches all over this nation doing the same thing, right? I can guarantee you because if God gave me the message, he's given it to pastor after pastor after pastor. And they're coming to their knees and they're worshiping and they're praying, God, give this nation a revival. Change us, Lord. Bring us back to Jesus Christ. Let him be the talk of this nation, not just the talk of the church and whisper it in the church. That we go boldly out, amen? I'll quit preaching to you. If that's not your heart, if you're not in that rest, if you are not the living proof and you've tried to mixture up something different and you've got a bunch of mush, a bunch of nasty stuff going on in your life, you put the wrong ingredients in it, here it is. Start in Genesis 1, chapter 1. Work your way through. Amen? You need help? Call me. You want another Bible study? Call me. We'll set it up. We'll do something. We'll do it. You just got to let me know. I love to lead, but sometimes I like for some of you people to get out of your comfort zone, get out of your seats, and do something. Amen? Do something. Be the living proof of God. Come, join me today. If you know Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables. Enjoy the Lord, but come today and get it right. It's a nasty, rainy day out there. We ain't no hurry, but go out there and get wet anyway. Spend some time on your knees. Pray for what God will do with your spiritual gifts in this new year. And let him go. Let him work in your life. Amen? Go ahead, Brooke. Come, enjoy the Lord today. Get your hearts where they need to be.
God to give you an understanding of your gifts, an understanding of a calling that he's calling you to. Some of you have got that calling, I understand that, but a lot of us don't. We have ministry teams in this church that need to be revamped, redone, need some new leaders, need some people with blood of Christ upon them that will be strong in their ministry, that will go forth fearing for what will take place in the lives that will not change. We can't save them all, but my goodness, we try to got to save some. Amen. I love you people. I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach the way God tells me to preach always. I don't care what the holiday is. I don't care what it is. What God gives me, we're going to give out. Amen? Some of you are going home and you're going to have to think about what's happened today. This building's just a building. You've got loved ones at home. Maybe you need to get with your loved ones at home. Disclaim something new for Christ that there's something you need to give up that's holding you back from the gifts God wants to pour out upon you. And you all know what it is. I don't know. I got my own issues to deal with. You've got to, you've got to get close to God. I love you. I'm looking forward to the new year. I'm looking forward to what God's got to do for us next year. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for the rest, that spiritual rest, Lord. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the urgency that you're giving us, Father, to tell the people the good news of Jesus Christ. No matter how many times they've heard it, Lord, no matter how many times they think they don't want it, Lord, there's that one soul out there, Lord, that one soul, Father, that's going to be the last one saved, and you're coming back. Oh, Father, help us understand the urgency to tell people who you are. I know by the word of God, the time is short. I know it, Lord. Everything is taking place that you've told us that must take place. 
It could be at any moment, Father. Give us an urgency in our hearts to use the spiritual gifts and the God-given talents that you've given us to encourage others of the love that we have and the rest that you have given us. And it's in Jesus' name, and all say. Yeah. Y'all know Wendy and John? Wendy wants to join the church. So, and I know there's more of you out there that want to join the church. Uh, where's Mike? Mike, raise your hand. Mike, way back in the back. Raise your hand, Mike. Everybody say hi, Mike. Mike's going to come up with a date and uh, sometime maybe towards the end of the month and, and set up a time. And if you want to join the church, we'll get with Mike. And then he'll go through the class and then we'll come back up and, and, and we'll do it right, okay? God bless you all. Be careful in the rain. <laughs>